Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, whenever and wherever you are to the Complete Center's Guide. My name is Tyler Fowler. I am your host, and we have got an amazing, amazing show lined up for you guys today. I promise you that. We've In the studio, we've got Jamie Jeffries, the pro-life wife. She is a public speaker on the subject of abortion, and she's also got a couple Facebook pages, a couple websites. She loves to help people in need, um, who wants to talk, who, who just, the, the show today is going to, uh, it's going to be awesome. So you guys stick around. I'm going to have Jamie with me here in just a second. Noah, as always, my co-host, and thank you guys for tuning in. Jamie, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. So, so Tyler, I, I'm I'm super excited about this. This is one of the this is one of the the topics that I am uh, I'm pretty passionate about. We're talking about abortion. That's that's correct. We have Jamie Jeffries. If you guys don't know her, definitely check out her Facebook page, The Pro Life Wife. And Jamie, just tell people about yourself, how you doing, and what got you involved in the abortion issue in the first place. Sure. So. For me, I've always been personally pro-life. Um, I never had thought of abortion as okay. I never really thought about abortion. Um, I'm from a long line of um, Christian pastors. I have three generations of senior pastors before me. So um, I, I was just raised to be a pro-life Christian and, and never really thought much about abortion. It wasn't really in my world, or so I thought. Um, but as I got older... Um, I got married and was working in Nashville, um, writing and recording music, and that was wonderful. But on a personal level, I was struggling with infertility. And so I um, started researching pregnancy and conception rates, and that led me to um, abortion rates. And I came across the stat of 3,000 a day for America. And here I was doing everything that I could to to have a baby and to get pregnant and experience this amazing thing of giving life. And I saw that 3,000 women a day were killing their children, and it just completely broke my heart and um, made me very, very angry. And I basically just quit everything else and dove into full-time pro-life advocacy and, and said, this is a big issue and people need to know and I'm a good person and I love babies. I'm pro-life and I didn't know it was this bad. Um, so I, I just kind of dove into it and since then have been doing online advocacy and public speaking. Um, and that of course leads to people coming to you for help. So we do a lot of resource work and um, it's been really awesome to see how God can use things that for the good, even when they're not good. Um, sure. I didn't know at the time when I was dealing with my um, infertility initially, it wasn't until we started doing all of the tests and everything that we found the cause of my infertility. And the cause of my infertility was from a violent rape that happened when I was 16. Mm. And when I was 16, 
four days after my rape, I called Planned Parenthood um, at the recommendation of a friend who was a cheerleader on the cheer squad with me. And she and some of the other girls went there for all of their needs. So I called Planned Parenthood and said, you know, I, I was raped and I'm not sexually active and I don't really know what happened, but I think I might be hurt. And can you help me? Um, and the receptionist told me that um, if if I thought that I was pregnant in a few weeks, I could call again and make an appointment and that if I had been damaged, the doctor would still be able to tell then. Um, I did not get pregnant from that assault. So I, you know, I didn't call anybody else. I didn't do anything. Um, and the the damage from that assault actually caused scar tissue growth in my reproductive organs. And that's why I, I was led to the road of infertility. So looking back, I see how now as a pro-life advocate, I speak out against places like Planned Parenthood, not only because they take the life of innocent unborn children, but because they don't care about young women. I was the young woman in need, and they did not care about me. They did not help me. They did not report my rape, which legally they were supposed to. So there's just all of these things in my life where I'm like, wow, this all adds up to, hey, Jamie, I think God wants you to be a pro-life advocate. So here I am. Wow. So all the way from Nashville singer-songwriter to pro-life advocate, um, public speaker, um, and and it sounds like, because here's the thing, Jamie, whenever I speak to people who are quote unquote pro-choice, right? For the, for the sake of this episode, we're going to use the terms pro-life and pro-choice. Um, not there. I I don't know if you've ever heard, but there are people who define pro-life different. I really don't want to get into that, but, but it sounds like all of the, how do I put it? All of the examples, let's say that, that, pro-choice advocates will give me in discussing, you know, things like abortion or is, you know, when does a human become a human or or such topics like that. The thing that they tell me, the thing that I hear the most, and I don't know if it's different with you or not, but rape comes up a lot. And for you to actually walk into those, you know, in those shoes, it seems like you could connect to somebody on a different level than, you know, say I could, or maybe Noah, for example, how does that affect your, your, your talking with other people? And does that maybe, I don't know, um, tend to like change the minds, like maybe open somebody's eyes and say, Oh, well, this woman was actually raped. Um, and, and she's got this pro-life view. How, how does that, how's that impacted your ministry? It's kind of difficult because you have to find this balance between your survivor community, because there's a huge amount of of people who have been victimized in sexual assaults. And so I feel a a sort of loyalty to that community because I am that community, but I'm also pro-life in the pro-life community. So trying to bridge those two communities into one and show people you can be pro-life and a survivor of sexual abuse and assault um, because people automatically assume, you know, you're a, a rape survivor, so you know what it's like to have your body controlled. Why would you force that woman to stay pregnant? Um, People use my rape against me in that way. They actually, me being a survivor, makes it to where people question why I'm pro-life. And I try to flip that around and tell them, look, I do know what it's like to be used against your consent. I do know what it's like for someone else to make a decision with their body that negatively impacts your body. I am 
pro-life for the same reasons I'm anti-rape. Abortion and rape are both somebody in a power position doing something harmful to somebody who is in a weaker, more vulnerable position. Sure. So I try to explain that to people. And of course, I always reference the very many women I know who have gotten pregnant from rape and who have their children with them now. And what an incredible, um, it, it just, it's a silver lining is a, just a really inadequate way to explain it. Um, my friends, they look back on their rape and they say, yes, that was the worst night of my life, but the best thing in my life is with me now. And I can get through those, you know, memories of how awful that rape was because I have this little baby here with me now and they love me and I love them and, you know, I'm not alone. And so that is really a beautiful relationship that I try to point out to people. And I point out to them that I don't have that. I made a post on Facebook that I got thousands and thousands of of hate comments from pro-choice people on because I said that there is a lot of things that happen from rape. A lot of really awful things come from rape, but a baby is not one of those awful things. I would have rather been left pregnant than been left infertile. I don't have a silver lining. I look back at my rape as the worst night of my life, and that's it. There is no, but at least I have this now. At least I'm not alone. So rape is awful, no matter when it happens, who it happens to, how it happens. But what comes after that, it's not what, you know, a baby, they say, if you have a baby from rape, you're never going to forget your rape. You don't have to have a baby to never forget. I didn't have a baby, and I will never forget. So I really just try to separate the the rape factor and the having a baby factor and tell people, look, you know, these things, they don't have to stay connected. And, you know, I really am trying to protect my fellow survivors because abortion is dangerous for women, too, and it increases suicide rates and it increases... um, drug abuse and and alcoholism and depression and it's not a good thing for women either so i use all of that plethora of information i just ranted sorry um because it's it's important to protect these survivors right and see that's you just nailed what i've dealt with as well in talking to people about it, especially in rape because it seems like rape is the number one example for for lack of better words that people use in, in the ar- abortion argument and i've heard such things such as you have to look in the face of your rapist every single day if you get pregnant and have the kid and for me personally you know i'm uh, i'm speaking with my heart here i think that's garbage i i think it's absolute and utter nonsense to say something like that to look in the eyes because here's the thing for for those who are just tuning in i have jamie jeffries the pro life wife and we're discussing something i feel that is extremely vital in our society and especially in our day and age 
um, the, the, the issue of abortion and whether or not this is a kid, whether or not it's a human. Here's the thing that me and Jamie and Noah both all agree, since we're all Christians. We all start with the worldview that every single individual is made in the image of God, period, in the subject. Whenever God created, he created humans as the pinnacle of his creation, and with that comes promises of God, such as, you know, eternal life if your faith is in Christ, something that we talk about all the time on the show and we want every single episode centered around. We start with that worldview and we look and we're not trying to demonize or we're not trying to discourage anybody um, emotionally. Obviously, we're trying to discourage abortions. We don't want to see those babies, which is exactly what they are. Um, I mean, just some horrible, horrible graphic images come into my mind whenever I think of abortion. And and so we're not trying to say, look, you, you know, you're screw up, you're going to hell, blah, blah, blah. That's not what we're here for. What we are here for is to say, if you're considering abortion, please really, really, really consider it. Because you're you're ending a human life at that point. Jamie, you can make a comment on that here in just a second. But I I, I I, I want to just talk to the people, you know, that maybe because here's the thing, I just found out that I'm going to be a dad. Like legit, no lie. This this isn't fake news. My wife found out a week ago that she's pregnant, and, and my wife and I have been married. I thought personally that I was infertile at, at one point in time, so I can relate to you, Jamie, on that aspect. And for me. It was just, it, it was disheartening, and whenever I understood and, and saw the pregnancy test, right, we took two of them, and I saw them, my world was just like, I, I, I was, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I was in denial. Like, my world just, it just stood still, for lack of better words. And whenever, it, it didn't take like a couple of days to, to accept the fact that I'm going to be a dad, but to be honest with anybody listening right now, I was scared, man. I, I, I'm still scared. I'm nervous. I, I know I'm not ready for a kid. But here's the thing that links that goes full circle and links Jamie, Noah, and myself is our faith is in God at that point. And whenever I, I prayed personal, you know, this is personal testimony, but I prayed that when to God one night, long time ago, God, whenever I'm ready, if, if you ever think that I'm ready, if I'm not, that's in your hands. But whenever you think I'm ready, please give me a kid if that's your will. And it wasn't answered until now, but at the same time, you know, so what I'm trying to say is I can relate to anybody out there right now at this point that if you have a girlfriend or a wife that's pregnant and you're considering abortion, I'm really telling you, consider it because you, you, you might think that the circumstances that, that involve all of this are, are just totally out of control, and they might be. But you've got to remember at the same time that God causes all things to work together for good for those whose faith is in Christ. And what we're saying is really think about it and take into account that what you have, what has been given to you by your creator in regards to pregnancy, what has been given you for you to take care of and for you to be responsible of, that life is now in your hands. And what you do with that is going to impact every little thing that happens from here on out. Jamie, if you do, you want to say or add anything to that, or kind of piggyback on that idea, or yeah, totally. Well, congratulations first of all on <laughs> Thank the you. baby. That's so exciting, and nice. I understand like it can be scary. Um, you know, with me battling my infertility for so long, we went through 
adoption attempts that fell through and, um, you know, decided, okay, we'll just live child-free. I was about to get a hysterectomy, all of these things. Um, but I just felt like God was saying, just just go test your, your scar tissue one more time. Just go test it. And I did. And the doctors were like, something's different. We don't know what that means, but go home and just try again just for a little bit, see what happens. It was not even six weeks later I had a positive pregnancy test. Nice. Um, I know... So I know what you're saying about it's you know God's timing and when He wants a child to be created, that child will be created, um, and and that is at at conception. You know we are created in His image and we're we're not developed in His image throughout nine months. You know we're created as soon as we're in existence, that moment of conception. Um, you know we matter, and I would say you know encourage you and and other dads out there who. You know, their partner is pregnant right now. Um, really, really remember that, like I, I heard you say a couple of times, you're going to be a dad. Um, mm-hmm. Change that. Change that mindset to you are. You are a dad already because your baby exists already and your baby is alive and growing already. And so you're not going to be a dad. You know, you're, you're already there and your job is already happening. It's your job to protect and provide for your child and, and be there for his or her mom. And, um, you know, sorry, I'm getting emotional, but it just, it makes me so happy for, for all the men out there who get to have this amazing role of fatherhood. I'm assuming it's amazing because motherhood is. So, um, you know, just, just really cling to that, that even though you can't see your baby yet, like your baby, your baby knows you and what you do, even while they're in the womb matters on how you act and, and what you say, it, it all really matters. Um, and just going back to that, acknowledging God created them. You might not be in control of the situation, but God is in control overall. So just, you know, give it back to him and, and just really hope for the best. That's kind of all parenting is anyways. My baby just turned three and it's still kind of like, Oh God, help me make sure she's fine. <laughs> Just one more day. So right, exactly. And what's what's really cool is the verse keeps coming to mind. Right, it, it, it's First Corinthians three seven, and in the NIV it says this. It says, "So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God, who makes." things grow, or the New Living Translation says, is important that God makes the seed grow. And what's what's being referenced there is Paul and Apollos is, you know, they're evangelizing their churches. They're they're going out and they're saying, you know, they're giving the gospel and, and what they're doing is they've they've they have new believers and they have, you know, veteran believers, so to say, and they're water or and they're watering and they're planting and they're watering and they're planting and they're and you see this church growing, right? Like you see God is the one that's causing this church to grow and mature. And what's so, so cool is I think that this also applies to the baby in the womb. We cannot forget that God is the one who's knitting together the bones and the sinews and every little thing, every little blood cell that is that is put into this image of God, this you know image bearer that is a human. It's so, so cool because God's orchestrating all of that that comes to pass. And yes, you are responsible for the way that you take care of your body. And, you know, whether whether or not, uh, whenever it comes to like, I know it's going to seem like I'm rabbit trailing here, but like whenever it comes to atheism, 
it, it seems like an atheist doesn't understand the concept that they're going to stand before God one day. Whether you believe in God or not is irrelevant to his existence, right? Like, uh, it doesn't matter. God exists, and he shows us that in his son, Jesus Christ. So the point that I'm making is that the way that you handle that and the way that you, like, like I said earlier, that you've been given a gift from God with this baby whom God is knitting together, whom God knows already, right? You're responsible for that, and you will stand before God on the way that you handle that situation. Um, we, I think we're all placed in different areas of our life that will make us grow, right? We all, we all, we, all of us, all Christians, they pray for growth and maturity. But the fact of the matter is we have to experience tribulations and trials to get that maturity, to get that patience, to get whatever we need. And not only is God causing that baby to grow, right? But God is also developing the parents to be able to mature. And while this baby is growing inside of the mother's womb, the parents are growing closer together and up, hopefully, toward God and, and getting stronger in their spiritual you know, walk and getting stronger in their faith and getting stronger in all of these different aspects. And I just think that's so neat to see, to actually just step back and see God not only create his church, but also create the people who make up his church and see him develop them and shape them and mold them in a way that is ultimately going to glorify him in the long run, right? I, I, I don't know if you guys know it. You can chime in too if you're listening. Um, but I don't know if you guys have ever thought of that concept before or not, but just, it, it's so cool to me. Whenever I see, you know, 1 Corinthians 3, 7, God makes things grow. It involves every single thing and every single person in his creation. Yeah, and I think that it's that's a cool verse, too, because if you want to take it to, like, a really literal aspect, um, you know, it it's like only God can make things grow. Only God can make a baby exist. Two people can have unprotected sex a million times, and there could be no baby as a result. The baby is as a result when God says, okay, I'm going to let a baby be the result of this. You know, it's ultimately his choice as to say what these people's actions are going to result in, Um, you know. And so for me, it's like when, you know, going back to the to using the the rape exception, because that is so frequently brought up in abortion advocacy. um, You know, there are people all the time who get raped all the time who aren't pregnant, myself included. So that's why, like, when I see, like, I have friends who, you know, are, are mothers from rape. And I think God did not choose for you to be raped. That was that jerk's personal free will choice to do that to you. But God makes all things work together for good. So mm-hmm. even though that guy did something really awful that God would never, ever want to happen to my friend, God said, okay, I'm going to allow something beautiful to come from this horrible thing. And that beautiful thing is her four-year-old son who she loves and adores. Right. So really, it's really up to God, regardless of consensual, unconsensual, protected, unprotected, you know, planned, you know, trying to conceive through infertility. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge that when there's a life in existence, it's because God chose to make it exist. And who are we to undo what he says is is supposed to be? 
Right, it's part of God's sovereignty, and and it was, and it's cool because it's connecting the, the the three past shows that we've done. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to them or not yet, Jamie. Um, they're the free will debate. Very cool stuff. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out, guys. If you're just tuning in, ladies, girls, guys, everybody who's just tuning in, I have Jamie Jeffries with me, and we're talking about abortion and what I, I just. I love it, but I hate this at the same time because hear me out. We, we got 15 minutes left, right? And and this this subject can go so much deeper. Um, I I, I want to kind of transition, if that's cool, for just a second, to because I know for me, whenever I listen to anybody talking about abortion, whether it be Jeff Durbin or Ben Shapiro or or anybody, um, it, it always one one thing that I'm trying to get from the video is not necessarily how, let me put it like this, not less, not necessarily to get ammo for a, a debate or for an argument that I know is going to happen that I'm going to go search for. No, there's a way to honor God in talking to people about these things. But, for, but, but like I said, one of the things that I try to get is maybe some answers to questions that I have or you know that, that I've heard that I didn't know how to answer it. Um, before, so Jamie, if you don't mind, do you care if like I ask you a question about it? So, one that I've heard before, so maybe it would give like somebody else that's listening a chance to be able to understand it better and maybe have a an answer for somebody who who asked a question like this. Do you, do you care yeah, if that totally. happens? Okay, bet. All right, so the, like I said, the thing that the number one thing that I hear is. Well, what if the woman is raped? It, it, I I think we need to make a like a standard before. I don't think that it's okay in any circumstance to murder a baby. W- would you agree with that, Jamie? Totally. Okay, so if somebody were to tell me, well, what if the girl was raped and, and she ends up getting pregnant from it? The the number one answer that comes to my mind is. I don't think the child should be punished for something that the father did. That I, I believe that the father should be, you know, locked away, thrown away forever, castrated even. And but I don't think that you that that baby had anything to do with that rape. So to punish the baby for something the father did is outright, it's outlandish. It's horrible to even think about, especially when that when that punishment's the death penalty. Right. How how would you answer that question? Being a victim of rape, Jamie, and, and not getting pregnant from it, but obviously understanding the outcomes of it. How would you answer that question if somebody were, well, what if, you know, so-and-so was raped? Um, should she get an abortion? How would you answer that? I would tell them that being a victim or survivor of rape does not make us morally superior to others. Mm-hmm. What's wrong for a woman next to me is wrong for me. The fact that I survived rape doesn't mean that I get to do bad things to other people. Um, Two wrongs don't make a right. And, you know, I would just remind them that that rape is violence and trauma and abortion is violence and trauma. And why would we want that for somebody who's just been through that? It's just an illogical and counterproductive response. Um, And yes, absolutely ridiculous to, to... punish a innocent growing baby for the crimes of a father. So, um, you know, those, those three things I really try to, to remind them. And I always just go back to 
we're not morally superior because we're survivors. We aren't. I don't get to hurt someone. I don't get to go rape someone just because I was raped. Doesn't make it right. Right. And see, we start out with the same, like, objective standards and precepts, right? We start out with God's law. And God's law tells us, do not murder. Do not, you know, be sexually immoral. And rape would fall underneath that category, right? And we start with the same objectives, and it's so much deeper than, well, God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. It is that, but it's so much more than just that. God has every right to distinguish what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. And I think that's where the, you know, going back to the atheism, for example, because that seems to be the people, natural materialists, that seems to be the people that I personally, and Jamie, I don't know if that's the way with you or not, but seem to have more confrontation with than anybody else. Um, I know some Christians, quote-unquote, their support pro-choice and the pro-choice movement. Um, I don't believe they're Christians personally, but that's that's my own personal opinion on that. If you can say it's okay to murder a baby, I don't think that you're in the will of God at that point. Um, maybe you're just confused, but hopefully that's the case. But anyway, so I, I we start out with the same precepts, and, and God says, do not murder. I would say that the reason that she should not murder the baby because of what the father did is because that that baby, no matter its development stage, right, because we're all developing in a certain way, so that argument's bogus to begin with. Um, Whenever the baby's developing, it's still in the image of God at that point. It has every single thing that it needs. I I think, and Jamie, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but from what I've seen is that whenever the sperm hits the egg and conception happens, is it true that everything that there is to make up a human a human being is at that point is that is there truth to that so at the moment of conception that's when you have that new genetic code a brand new unique dna separate than that of the mother at conception hair color is determined eye color is determined gender is determined so while all of these things aren't developed into i can see hands i can see a beating heart everything all of the the coding all of the framework that is there is there in that moment who that person will be is decided in that moment of conception everything that that person is is that person right there at that moment right that's in Mm -hmm. in a nutshell okay so everything that goes into that biologically the different and i I heard uh jeff durbin say it's something similar to this i'll paraphrase but basically there's like four or five differences that's be that's that's only different between a human in the womb and a human outside of the womb and that size development, um, age, and then a couple other things, uh, dependency on the mother and then something else. Um, but you know, and if that's the case, if that's the only thing that separates, because I think that the problem is whenever it comes to natural materialist atheism, whatever other religion and Christianity is that we don't start out with the same viewpoints and we don't start out with the same worldview where we're actually looking at an image bearer of God inside of the mother where a natural materialist or someone like that would say, no, that's just a clump of cells. I personally think the clump of cells argument was destroyed 40 years ago. But mm-hmm. ha- have you ever heard that, Jamie? Yeah, totally. And I, I agree okay. that I think people who say that, it's just an intentional denial. Um, yeah. People aren't people aren't dumb. <laughs> we have baby showers, not clumps of cell showers. Right. Right. Everybody asks... What, what's it going to be, a boy or a girl? Like the two genders that God, and this is a whole different subject, but the two genders that God created, male and female, right? 
that that's what we ask in you know baby showers you know is it a boy or a girl what's its name going to be you know we're already giving it personal pronouns like or what's her name going to be or what's his name going to be it's already personal at that point and god knows so much more than we do right he already knows that baby and that person who he's going to be or she and and that's what i'm excited about like whenever i look at my wife and see all right look like little me's in there you know what i mean not little it or little whatever right that that's that's part of me and you know i know you felt that way about your baby you know she what you said she was three now or he i'm sorry yeah she she just turned three she just turned three and, and it's amazing to see like i'm sure you're amazed by like just watching your daughter grow right like god you know what we was talking about a while ago is that god just raising her up to be you know probably a beautiful little girl and that's going to do great things, hopefully, one of these days, especially if she follow, you know, follows in her mother's footsteps. Um, it, it's truly amazing to see that. I do have one question, Jamie, for you. And this is something, personally, that I'm confused about, okay? And, and I mm-hmm. guess this is just lack of maturity or whatever. But I do have a, que- a personal question for you. And how would you answer this? Say, okay, for, for example, say my wife is going to deliver the baby, right? And... and all of a sudden there's complications. God forbid that happen. But all of a sudden there's complications to where they say, look, we either, either this is going to happen, either the baby and the mother is going to die, or we can save the mother or the baby, either one, but one of them has to live or one of them has to die. How would you, I know first and foremost, let me state, I know that's probably a very rare case, but I know, I mean, I think I can edu- you know, guesstimate here and say that's probably happened before. Um, how would you answer that if, if someone asked you something similar to that? Um, right. Well, it's actually brought up a lot. Okay. Um, medical necessity, life of the mother is why third trimester abortion is legal in America, federally legal to abort through all nine months of pregnancy. And they use that medical necessity as the reason why. Um, the reality is babies are surviving at as young as 20 and 21 weeks, um, you know, just mere ounces at their birth weight now. So when somebody says that either we have to do a late-term abortion on this child or the mother's going to die, you tell them to deliver your child alive via preterm delivery, C-section, and your child is now alive and premature. Your wife is no longer pregnant, so she's okay. She's not pregnant anymore. Pregnancy's not going to kill her. Baby is out of her. Um, now you have your baby who's a preemie, whether that's, you know, 30 weeks or, you know, even earlier, 20, 21 weeks. Um, but mm-hmm. that baby could potentially and probably be saved now. So right. third trimester abortion um, even for those emergency life of the mother, it is just as easy to surgically remove a living baby as it is to either remove a deceased child that you first kill or to ask a woman third trimester abortions. Um, generally, they end with they they end with. Sorry, it's so brutal. They poison yeah. the baby. The oh, baby's gosh. heart dies. There's a heart attack induced, and the woman delivers a stillborn child. So the woman still has to go through pregnancy and childbirth. Um, She's just delivering a dead baby. So the um, argument of that, we have to, you know, do this late-term abortion to save this woman's life, that is a bold-faced, blatant lie 
made up by the abortion industry to keep abortion legal through all nine months of pregnancy. You do not have to kill a baby to remove it. Sure. See, I agree 100%. And here's the thing, and this is, you know, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else except for me and my wife, right? Um, and if she was here, she would tell you the same thing. Unfortunately, she's working right now, and she can't. But she told, we had this conversation, and she told me, Tyler, if, if something were like that to happen, and they can only save one of us, save the baby, right? And I think mm. that is so noble. And so, you know, it, it shows such maturity in her um, to say that. And I know that's a, each individual's, you know, judgment or whatever um, on that. But it, it just, it, it shows nobility in it. And I think it shows, you know, I, I look at her and I think of someone else, right? I, I think of someone else that is willing mm-hmm. to give their life for someone, especially in our case, we're sinners, we don't deserve it. But for someone who actually does deserve it, who deserves that life, who deserves that, right. you know, that, that chance at, at possibly curing AIDS or curing cancer or whatever, you know, they, they deserve it because of that image bearing of God that they have. And, you know, to, 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 to just look at my wife, in, in a nutshell, what I'm saying is I see Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and that's the beautiful message about all of this. You know, the point of coming on and talking about abortion is to look at the facts about it and not these myths that the abortion industry, that, you know, mass media is portraying. We we want to get down to the brute facts of it, and and I think that starts with the absolute truth. Is it should we ought to kill someone or should we ought not to? Obviously, every single one of us would say we should ought not to, right? Not to kill someone, but why? And, and that's the purpose of coming on, and is to explain that if you've had an abortion or you've considered an abortion or whatever, there's forgiveness for it, and there's forgiveness in Jesus. And it's not, and again, like I said, I want to be as gentle as I can here because I know it's a touchy subject. It really, really is. And it's something I think, especially online, Jamie, I'm sure you've seen it where people are just harsh and and, and they're, you know, they're they're not thinking they're, they're keyboard warriors and they want to, you know, I don't don't know what they're trying to achieve, but if, if you've, if you're listening and you've had an abortion or you're thinking about it, Jamie and I both and Noah would say, seriously, consider it. Don't do it, obviously. But if you have, it's not like there's no hope. That's that's there. There's there is, and, and and the light shines on in the darkness, and that darkness being abortion, there is still light that shines in, and that's Christ. So if you've had an abortion, if you're saying, how can I be forgiven, or I've even thought about it, how can I be forgiven? I would say to you the exact same thing that Paul said to the guy who put him in a jail cell. He would say, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's the message. That's the good news, that in this fallen world, in this corrupt world where horrible things do happen, yes, they do. Rape happens daily. Murder happens daily. Horrible, tragic things happen because we live in a fallen and sin-cursed world. But the promise of God is that one of these days, he will come back, he will judge and take vengeance on every evil that ever is, and death will be no more, evil will be no more, Satan, death, and hell will be thrown into the fire, and it will be done. The problem is, with all of that, is that if you're held guilty for your sins, you're going to be thrown in that fire 
as well. And that's bad news, and it's scary news, yes. But someone has already came, given their life, and rose three days later as proof that, one, he's God, and that, two, he offers forgiveness in his son. Tyler, if I can jump in here for a second. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I was just—I was just going to ask—I was just going to ask Jamie. You know, as we're kind of winding down the clock here, if you were—if you had just two minutes, two minutes to talk to somebody that yeah. went through that yeah. despicable, horrible, terrible um, situation that you went through, if you had just two minutes to talk to that person, putting abortion aside for just a moment, uh, you know, if you—if it's—if it's something that you would naturally feel inclined to include then I then then I guess I would ask you to do that too but if you just had 2 minutes to say to somebody that's struggling with confusion and struggling with hurt and struggling with frustration and probably struggling with the legal battles and legal challenges that come with trying to 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 find what decision you're going to make and in the midst of all of that now there's some other young woman that is struggling with the with this this horrendous decision of does she have to be forced into motherhood or is mm-hmm. you, you know how, how does she how does she continue from there if you just had two minutes to talk to somebody like that what would you say to them um well first i would ask them what do you need what do you need for me to be okay how can i help you because people don't consider things like abortion because they're okay they consider it because they're in crisis they're in chaos they're in self-preservation mode so i would I always want to find out what what does this woman need from me? And I want to convey to her, yes, if if there is a child that comes from whatever crisis you're in or whatever situation you're in, if a baby comes from that, I will want to save that baby and I want to help that baby. But right now, I see her in front of me. And and so I want to make sure that she knows I see you. And I always tell her, as much as you know, any child in the womb is created in God's image and made for a purpose. So were you, beautiful girl in front of me, you are God's daughter. And you have to see yourself as a princess because, you know, our father is the king and you're not a mistake. I always want to make sure to go back to her value and her worth because if she feels unworthy, she won't feel ready. She won't feel worthy enough to bring a child into the world. She's inadequate in her own eyes. I want to make sure that that woman knows that I see and love her as a child of God, just as much as I see every single embryo as a child of God. Um, So I always want to make that clear to her. And then, you know, if it is before an abortion situation, I give her the information and alternatives. You can't just say it's wrong. You have to say it's wrong, and here's the right option right. here for you. Mm. Give that. Give her support. options. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, God forbid, she's post-abortive, which happens a lot. I have tons of women come to me post-abortive, um, and a lot of them are Christian. 37% of women who get abortions are identifying as active Christians. Abortion mm-hmm. is in our church. Um, we need to—I I always tell her, you know— <laughs> Christ died on the cross for you. You know this. You say this to people. Um, You have to be willing to let him take that from you and know that God sees you as beautiful, and and he wants you. He wants you. So give him all the things that are between you two, and if that's, you know, the sin and regret of abortion, get that out of the way so that your father can hug you again, you know? 
That is an awesome message. I absolutely love that. And 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 again, I'm I'm sure you've heard this before. Obviously, um, you know. You know, Tyler and I just can't even begin to imagine what you went through, but your strength and your willingness to come on and and share yeah. your story and then the revelation that it has given you, Jamie, because I think a lot of people out there are very hesitant to take advice from people that advocate against abortion because you, you so eloquently put, to a certain degree, we are advocating of taking the choice away from other people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Yeah. we would say that we're advocating to take the choice to kill somebody away from the somebody else because they never rightly had that choice to begin with, uh, in right. God's eyes anyway. Um, and so, but w- what I think is particularly interesting and particularly credible about from you, Jamie, is that you've been here, you've walked you know the absolute worst path possible and you've come out on the other side and you're saying hey i i've been where you are and i know the way out and here's where i got to and here's what's particularly powerful i you know obviously it, not to say that you don't have any regrets but at the same time you understand that hey where i got to i am not i am not in a bad place that i had you know that i i've i've gotten you know, past this. And, and as you said, you know, I would have rather been stuck with a child than stuck with infertility. And I think that gives people hope. And I, and I feel like the, if, if there was, if there was one message that we were trying to give in this episode, it's not about criticizing your decision. It's not about criticizing your choice. It's not about criticizing your belief system. It's not about criticizing your stance on abortion. If anything, I think what we really want to get across in this episode is hope that there is hope that's the whole idea behind this thing that is salvation the whole idea behind this thing that is christianity is that there is hope even for the worst among us there is hope and so am i wrong in saying tyler that's kind of that's the general message here see and that's the thing you know i mean yes there there is hope and that's the message that we want to portray to every single person listening i mean it, you're right no we don't want to criticize your your beliefs we don't want to criticize that's not the point of this episode the point of this episode is yes to offer hope in jesus christ um also i'm sure i jamie i'm i heard you say it a while ago if anyone is listening and you need help right if you need anything contact me on my Facebook. You can email me at completecenter at gmail.com, right? Email me if you need help. Jamie, I'm sure if... Yeah, me too. Hit up my Facebook, send me a message. Totally. Yeah, if you guys want to talk, anything, you know, we are busy, but at the same time, we want to extend a hand of friendship and say, look, as a a dad, as a soon-to-be dad, as a dad now, I would like to offer my hand in friendship to anybody else out there who is in the same situation that I'm in right this moment, and, you know, we'll be in for the next nine months. I'm with you, you know, I'm here to help you um, in, in any possible way that I can, whether it be prayer or whatever. Um, so anyway, I guess, um, Noah, do you got anything left to say? How much time do we got, buddy? Yeah. Uh, just about 10 minutes. Um, no, I, I think, I think we've, yeah, I I think, yeah, we've got a little bit of time. I think we've pretty well covered, uh, covered anything. So I guess I'll just, I'll let you wrap it up and, and, uh, and close out with Jamie. And if you've got any other thoughts you want to add? Yeah, I mean, since we've got since we got a little bit of time, um, Jamie, is that cool with you? Can you go for another yeah, 10 got, minutes? Yeah, I've got just a couple more minutes here before I have to run. Okay, bet. So, okay, so Noah, okay, so let's do this. Um, Noah, yes, Jamie, what she would uh, what she would say to anybody in need. No, what would 
or first, Jamie, do you have any questions for us? If, uh, if so, shoot, go for it. Um, if not, Noah, how would you answer the question that you asked Jamie? Um, I, 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 well, so, you know, it's interesting, right? Because I've never been down that path. And so, and it's interesting because as both a male and as somebody who has not survived a rape, I, I feel like I'm two steps removed from having a very credible opinion on this. But essentially where I break down is from a decision tree of maximum absence of coercion, right? From a political standpoint, I typically will advocate for the least amount of government control possible. There are only a few exceptions to that. And the, the exception to that is where your rights begin to trample on somebody else's rights. So at the point that you start to say... Well, because of my belief system, I'm now going to force you to comply. That's where I draw the line, and that's where I think people have some innate ability to exercise some individual liberty. What what gets dicey about abortion is that people say, well, there's the small government guy talking about a way to implement a, 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 a system in which we can force women to do one thing or the other. And the disconnect there, or the thing that is is looked over is autonomy, right? We assume yeah. that until the baby is born, that the baby is just an extension of the mother, and nothing could right. be further from the truth. But if you take right. that logic to where the baby is just a foreign growth, and I've heard it described that way, I've heard it described. I I, like I, a had, I have a, a very close, I have a very close friend of mine that um, her and I don't agree on much, but. She believes that a baby is equivalent to a parasite inside of a mother, and so it takes resources from the mother, and she approaches it from a fairly scientific perspective that if you compare what a baby is to uh, other things, then she she approaches it to a parasite. Now, if you take that approach, right, which is unfathomable for the most of us, but if you take that approach, obviously... It's it's easy to understand why you would say people have the right to decide if they want to allow another human life to, as she would put it, leech off of them or not. The I think what you what Tyler and what Jamie what you you and I have in common that we find so guttural about that is to us it's not some clump of cells. It's a precious human life. It's an entire. It's an entire other being. It's an entire other person. And while I haven't walked the road of uh, rape, and while I haven't walked the road of infertility, and I haven't walked the road uh, of being a woman, what I have done is had two unexpected pregnancies in my life. One of which, I was 19 years old, and uh, in college, and had just quit my job three months before, and now all of a sudden I uh, I had a child on the way. And what's interesting was... The finances didn't make any sense at all. You run the math on it six ways to Sunday, and there's no possible way we were prepared to raise a child. Right. And we didn't have the experience to raise a child. We didn't have the time to raise a child. We didn't have the money to raise a child. Like, nothing about that made any sense. But what we did have was this commitment and this desire to embrace God, embrace uh, our Christianity, and have him help walk through. What we found was raising a kid is actually not nearly as expensive as people make it out to be, right? You can go into a you can go into a store and you can spend $1000 on baby carriers and car seats and clothes and stuff like that, but the reality is you don't have to do any of those things. You can change a diaper right on the living room floor. It turns out the kid doesn't need a whole lot of counseling when they get older. In fact, it turns out they don't even remember, <laughs> right? So parents tend to make things more expensive 
and more elaborate than they really need to be. And I think what what my wife and I learned through our experience with pregnancy was that uh, two unplanned pregnancies, I might add, what we learned was that it doesn't have to be that expensive. And then what you learn is, I remember just this last Christmas, I had a moment, my, we had some very, very expensive dining room chairs. And when we moved into our new house, we were very proud of the fact that we had a, an actual formal dedicated dining room. And that's something that's, a, it's a luxury that my wife and I just, sounds stupid, but it's just something we've always wanted and didn't have before. So we bought some brand new dining room chairs. And the very first year, my two-year-old took a marker and, and a Sharpie and colored all over the backs of these chairs. And I remember walking out Christmas Eve and noticing that all these chairs had been just completely and utterly destroyed. And, of course, like any normal, rational person who spent a lot of money on something that is now destroyed would, would do, I had this, oh, man. But what was weird was it only lasted about 30 seconds. And then after that, I just became incredibly emotional because it dawned on me that there are parents out there that would, well, there are people out there that would trade everything they own, they would give up everything they have, and they would sell everything they own, they would live anywhere to walk out to their living room and find some dining room chairs that had been colored on by a two-year-old, right? And that wasn't lost on me, that, that there are parents that would tra- trade anything to have that, to trip over some toys inside of the garage, to trip over some toys in the, the living room, to have that experience, and they can't have that experience. Um, right. So I, I, I guess... What would I say if I only had two minutes to somebody to to talk about decisions? I would say take time and don't rush. Don't make a decision in haste. Make a decision and be thinking and get a lot of counsel from other people, those around you. If you have a good church family, embrace it. If you don't have a good church family, get into a good church family because they'll help you make a wise decision and a decision that you can look back 10 or 15 years from and be thankful right. that you made and a, a decision that you can be proud of and a decision that isn't going to haunt you. Yeah, I mean, because the local church, it's been given for a reason, right? I mean, it's there to provide help for those in need. And, and that's what we're, you know, we're, we're trying to say is that it, even if you can't, you know, contact us, there are people who are willing and, and, and lo- even if they don't know who you are, Right. They love you enough that they're willing to help. Why? Because they just want to do what God would want them to do. And that would be to see that baby come to, you know, term to be delivered and then hopefully to play with it in the next five, six, seven years or whatever. Or more importantly, you know, help raise it in the church family. Um, That's exactly what we do at our local church, uh, Grace and Truth, here in Ireland, Indiana. Um, and, and and we love it. Like there's so many babies. God has blessed us with so many babies. And now to add another one, you know, we help parents with their kids, and I know they're going to help us with ours. Um, Jamie, wrapping up. How can people get a hold of you? Um, websites, all that fun stuff. If someone does want to talk to you, the best place to find me would probably be on Facebook. It's Facebook.com/slash/prolifewife. Or you can also email me at I'm a prolifewife at gmail.com. I can usually get back to people within 24 hours or so. So um, if it's something urgent, an urgent need, just message me on Facebook and put, you know, 911 at the top or something, and my admins will see it and send it my way quick. So um, if anybody's in, in need of help or just a talking, um, you know, survivors of sexual assault, whether you are a mother from that or not, we have a great community of girls that, 
pro-life women who are all survivors and it's great to have that community and that network. So feel free to message me and we'd love to bring you in on it. Jamie, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Noah, thank you again, brother, as always. And I just want to address something really, really quick in the last seconds that we got that Jamie actually said the topic that we're going to be discussing next week on the show, whenever she said, you know, she would want to tell the the woman that she was talking to you that, you know, Jesus died for you. Well, check this out. That's actually going to be the subject of the next show, Definite Atonement. So, Jamie, thank you again for coming on. If you guys need help, please contact me or her. Um, contact me at www.completecenters.com or at my email at completecenter at gmail.com. Thank you guys for tuning in, and make sure you tune in next week. We will see you then.